This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We're in Psalm 43. Uh, The author of this Psalm is not readily known, not well known. It's not written in the Psalm. And the author of this Psalm is obviously familiar with the, with brevity because it is one of the shortest uh, chapters in scripture. It's not, it's not really close to the shortest, but it's one of them. It's only five verses. I think the shortest is actually a Psalm 117, maybe. Anyway, this psalm is a uh, psalm about being vindicated before God, and as many of the psalms are, dealing with, and if you'll think about it, ultimately, uh, a lot of our praise psalms have to do with God's uh, vindication, God's uh, sanctification, God's coming in and being an atoning sacrifice for us and making it possible for us to have a relationship with him. And it would be natural for all songs to point to the, well, the pinnacle event in human history, which was the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think about Ravi Zachariah and his being asked about that question about human history and about what makes Christianity different than all other religions, what is the defining factor about Christianity that that separates it from everything else? And the truth is that what that is, is that that Jesus gave his life and that he rose again from the grave. And, and if that's true, uh, <clears throat> just from a theoretical or philosophical uh, standpoint, if that's true, then that makes all other religions, all other thoughts pale in comparison to it. And obviously, we we trust uh, that it's true, and it does make everything different. And so it's worthy of actually being sung about. It's worthy of being put up there in the highest place where it is. He says here, vindicate me, O God. Notice, vindicate, it means to remove all doubt about me. Place me in a position where it's obvious that I'm righteous, I'm right before you, and plead my cause against the ungodly nations. And, and oftentimes we want our position and who we and what we've done to be okay before God and okay and for, for others to, to, uh, to know that what we did was right. First of all, God in his due time glorifies you and promotes you. That's, uh, that's his business. That's, what, that's his glorifying of himself with you is in his time and in his, his in his season. But a person who wishes these things, uh, a person who desires for these things to happen for you, needs to live a righteous life, needs to live a life uh, of faith and trust God. The best, I've heard this saying said often, the best revenge is a life well lived. And it's true, although our desire for for vengeance or revenge is ought to be separated from that. But the truth is, if you want your life to be vindicated, 
before others, live it well before God. And God will have a lot of material to use to vindicate you. He said, he said, oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. If you want God to be able to do that, you, you need to be able to put yourself in a position so that he can. Oftentimes, success is not built on, success is not built on the quality of your work. Oftentimes, success is not built on, in the, on the ingenuity of what you're doing, how new and novel it might be. Oftentimes, success is built on showing up. Being there 90, 95, 100% of the time, always being available. And I can tell you this, where it's God's concern, being by his side all the time puts you in a position for him to use you and in using you, vindicate you. Being in a position 100% of the time to, for God to use you puts you in a position where the likelihood of big things, great things, life-changing things, and life-enduring things that you can live off of for a long time can happen. But but if we don't do that, he, he it it puts us in a position where we we're 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 not the person that God can glorify himself with. And says he says, For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Those are good questions. Why does God cast us off? Maybe we're not cast off. Maybe we're the ones who separated ourselves from him. Maybe we're the ones who, it's not maybe, it is. That old story of the old man, older man and older woman riding down the road. And, and it used to be, I know many of you who are watching on Facebook right now, remember the days when trucks had bench seats. And nowadays they have bucket seats on both sides and they only have bench seats in the back. And and they were on a bench in a truck with a bench seat and the wife was sitting over next to the passenger door and the husband was sitting in the driver's seat and they passed this couple and and the the young couple the the woman was snuggled up right next to the man in the in the driver's seat and he had his arm around her and, and the wife said remember when we used to drive that way and the older man said says says I didn't move the Oftentimes as we deal with God and we want God to come and rescue us, come and vindicate us, come and save us, oftentimes the issue is that we have, are the ones who have moved away from his plan and his way and his purpose. And in moving away from that plan and purpose, we've, well, we've, we've put ourselves in a position where we're not walking in his blessings. We're not walking in his best. He says, he says, why do you cast me? God does not cast off his children. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. This, this psalmist is in the process of identifying his problem. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Why do you go mourning because of what's happening around you? It's likely because you have a worldly or self-absorbed view of things and not a God view. of Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. There are going to be situations where there's problems. And that being the case, should the problems be the focal point of my heart and my mind? Should the problems be a focal point of my soul? And if the problems are a focal point of my heart and my mind and my soul, then I've placed my hope and I've, placed, I've, I've cast my gaze, I've, I've placed my eyes and my thoughts on the problems of this world. And if I've done so, well, then I'm going to feel oppressed and I'm going to feel downcast and I'm going to feel destroyed. I will say this, the world wants you to feel that way. 
And so if your eyes are, are constantly focused on the world, the likelihood is that you feel like you're all alone and you're the only one who sees anything. You feel like the, the prophet who says, am I the only one? And, and, and there were 500 prophets of Baal. Elijah, there were 500 prophets, not of Baal, but 500 prophets that were still calling on the name of God. And Elijah just thought he was the only one. And just that's not, that's just not true. And allowing the world to inform your opinion oftentimes leads to the worst happening. And if that's who you are, if that's what's going on with you, that's your own fault. You need to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He says, oh, send out your light and your truth. <laughs> we, we, that's what you need. And, and he's figured it out. I, I need God's illumination into the matter. I need his truth to apply to the situation. Let them lead me. Let What he's saying is I need to quit being so attached to what the world's saying and what the world's doing and the power that the world feels like it's yielding and I need to place my focus and my heart and my mind on his light and his truth. Let it lead me. How quickly do God's people wander away from his word? It is just astonishing sometimes and how quickly people will wander away from God's word. And I know they, know they get involved in sin and the heart gets turned toward the things of themselves. I know that. But if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And if you will walk in his light and his truth, they will guide you through the situation you're in. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. And they will do that also. They'll not only guide you through the situation you're in, but they'll guide you into the presence of, and ultimately in his presence is where freedom and hope and life is found. Without that, there is nothing. Worship and seeking God, not only in your own private place, but seeking God together with God's people is where is where the energy of the family of God is poured out on people. And it cannot be it cannot be replicated and it cannot be replaced by anything else. And it is necessary. And he wants, he says, I want to be on your holy hill. I want to be, I want to tabernacle with you. And that's what God does with his people. He tabernacles with his people. That's why he says, where two or more gathered, there I am also. That's why he says, I, I want y'all to grow, to come together because the body of Christ makes the individual believer stronger. He says, then I will go to the altar of God. I don't know, maybe it's just uh, my life experiences that have led me to the feeling that the most important maybe place and time in life is the altar and being at the altar and going to the altar to deal with things. And sometimes we think, I will go to the altar when, when I have something really big I want to take to God. That's, I'm going to just go there when it's the most special time. To me, that is just really foolishness. It's just foolishness. What if your favorite restaurant was also the cheapest restaurant? What if the best place to go was also the easiest place to go? What if you lived next to Disney World and you had free passes all the time? Well, you say, I would get tired of going into Disney World. You might, but you got to remember, this is better than Disney World. This is this cost me nothing to go to the altar. It cost Christ everything. Why would I not go to the altar all the time? Why would I not 
uh, find things to take to the altar. Why wouldn't I not go into the Holy of Holies on a regular? God's people are so afraid of dealing with God face to face that oftentimes they never do. God's people are so caught up in the condemnation of their own sin, they don't ever go wrestle with God face to face. They linger on the outside. They wait on the outskirts and oftentimes they linger even to even go and be with God's people. And, and it costs them over and over again. He says, then I will go to the altar of God. Why would you not go to the altar of God? Why would you not spend time with him? Why would you not uh, take that time to be in his presence and to glorify him on bended knee before him? Why would you not? He says, to God, my exceeding joy. It, it, is God your source of joy and peace? Why would you not go hang out with him some? And especially in the most intimate and most important moment. And I'm talking about actually in worship also. God's people ought to be at his altar. Why? I really don't even understand why we wouldn't. It's just not even fathomable to me, but I know of its value. He says, when I, when that happens, I, I receive joy. And then he says, I'm on the harp. I'm going to praise you. What he's talking about is I'm going to praise I'm going to do some praising and worshiping God because I'm able to meet with you. Oh God, my God, is he your God? Is he? If he is, you ought to be at the altar. If he is, you ought to be finding his purpose. You ought to be seeking uh, out and finding out what he's doing. He says, why are you cast down on my soul? And I see now that he's been in the presence of God. He's sitting there going, why am I all upset? I mean, great question, ain't it? It's a really good question. He says, why am I so uh, broken down and tore up about this? Why is my heart cast down? Why is my, my, my mind always focused on evil? It is because you ain't been in the tabernacle. You've not gone to the altar. You've not worshiped. You've not spent time with him. You've not gone to, to the greatest place you could possibly go, which is at the foot of Jesus. Why would you not be there? That, that the story of Mary and Martha asking Jesus to tell Mary to come help her cook. And Jesus said, she's chosen to be at my foot, listening to me. She's chosen the better place. I will not take that. God's not ever removed his altar from you. And he's not ever removed you from his presence. And he can't do that because he's ascribed to the holiness and, and the position of Jesus himself. He's given you that. And oftentimes our soul is cast down because we've not sought the presence of God. He says, and why is my soul cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you cast down? Because I spent all this time wasted, focused on me and focused on the world. If you'll notice, this song brings you into an understanding of the importance of seeking the very presence of God. He says, and why are you disquieted within me? Why is there disturbance within me? It's because my heart's focused on the things of this world rather than things of God. That shaking, that being unnerved, there that that is cast away in the presence of the mighty god in the presence of the god of wonders he there there is no disquieted uh, heart in his presence there's only wonder and awe there's only expectation and joy that there is and and there's no condemnation because all sin has been paid for there's only purpose and there's only uh, direction his word provides light and truth. What he's got to say illuminates the situation and gives you the answers to the situation. He says, hope in God. 
there's one of those verse that's one of those lines that's that's just three le- three words the longest word is four letters two and three are the other he says hope in god hope meaning that idea of faith hope trust believe the idea of placing my faith in him my idea of believing in what he has to say and his will and his purpose my the idea of trusting in who he did who he is and what he's doing hope in god for I, will, I shall yet praise him. Is that what you're doing? There may be somebody on here today or maybe watching it at some point in time later on or maybe even months and years from now if Facebook doesn't take down everything Christian one day. But if you're hearing this, there is a formula to lift up your heart and your mind. There is a formula to, to finding a place of strength and a place of courage and a place of solid ground. And that formula is entering into the presence of God, going to the tabernacle of God, spending time with God's people. And let me tell you, if you go to a church and and it's dead as a doornail because nobody there is going into the presence of God, find somewhere that they do. Trust me, there are places to do it. If you're in Louisiana or Wisconsin or Texas or California, there are places to be found. You're not Elijah, the only prophet out there by yourself. There are other people who are seeking out God. Please go find it. Find where God's people actually seek it out. See, one of the things I try to do with the leadership of our church and the people who are, who are the ones who are the backbones that make things happen in our church is to encourage them to go to the altar, encourage them to be fired up, encourage them to model finding uh, a place with God because the wheat won't go by themselves. They got to have someone lead the way and and the leaders have got to lead. And if if we're not going to sing in worship, then why should somebody who doesn't know how to sing, doesn't know the importance of singing, why should they sing? If we're not going to go to the altar, why should somebody who needs to go to the altar but doesn't know anything about it, why should they go? If we're not going to have joy in our hearts and a passion in our lives about what's going on and an excitement and an expectation of the good things to come, if we're not going to do that, why should anybody else do it? And so... If you're out there searching for the formulas to enter into the presence of God, and usually that takes place where other people have already started entering into the presence. If you haven't been doing it, it starts where somebody else is doing it. And because God always provides those teachers, those guides, those leaders, those those people who, who are willing to help others in their time of difficulty and sorrow and problems. And if that is happening with you, if that's what's going on, You need to find people who are busy about meeting with God because if they're busy about meeting with God, they're going to model how to meet with him to you. And that's what this goes. He says, send your light of truth. I need it. He says, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. That's going 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 up to the heavens in our spirit, entering into the heavens with our spirit. Let us go to his tabernacle. That's the place where God meets with his people, tabernacles with us. He goes, then going to the altar of God, that brings about exceeding joy, that brings about praise and worship, that brings about a singing. He says, I'm going to play the heart and sing. He said, and then he realizes, why am I cast down? Why am I disquieted within me? The truth, the, the true hope I have is in God and him, God, in him, period. For I shall yet praise him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. He says, 
the help of my countenance and my God. So if, if I want to have my whole countenance, everything about me to be changed, that help happens by going into his presence. And <clears throat> what I wouldn't give for a um, hundred men and women who were, every Sunday were willing to go into his presence just like with a fire and a passion, were willing to sing at the top of their lungs, were willing to lead people to the altar, were willing to go to the altar themselves and, and, and deal with willing to know what other people's problems are and go pray with them at the altar and teach them how to do it. I, I believe if we had that in this area, that thousands would come. They would because they people are seeking the presence of God, but they, they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get there. And taking somebody else to the altar and praying with them is a start. And going to the altar yourself and showing the way is a start. Singing to the top of your lungs, which we've really begun to do well as a church, is a start. But all these things, that the, the, the only hope mankind has is that God's people would meet with him and leave there with the power of his name and go out and change the world. And, and that's, that only happens when God's people actually go and meet with God, go and search out God, go and do uh, what God has told them to do. And without that, we're just going through some rituals and playing church. Yeah, that's just what we're doing. If and, and, and it happens all the time. You get into a funk, a church funk, and you uh, and then you start looking around, why are we in a church funk? And it sure can't be your fault, right? <laughs> it sure can't be your fault. Talking to somebody yesterday, and they started back to church, and and the church started back up, and they've had pretty low numbers coming back. And, and the reason why is is because people get used to not meeting with God, and then they start walking in their own ways and their own will. And and I'm not saying that this doesn't have value because it does, but there is something dynamic and powerful about God's people entering to His presence and actively seeking to hear from Him and go and do and go and find out what he wants them to do and helping others to do it. And that dynamic power can't be replicated in any form or fashion other than God's people getting together, singing to him, studying his word, and going into his presence and going and meeting with him at his altar. And that just can't be, you can't replicate that anywhere else. I dare you to try. You, it ain't going to happen. It won't be as good. It won't be as long-lasting, and it won't, be, it, won't, it won't have the effect that, God's people, even if it's two of them, going and meeting with God together as the body of Christ does. There just ain't just ain't no way to do it that way. Just ain't ain't gonna happen. I know I sound real country when I say that, but it just ain't. It ain't gonna happen. God has his ways of doing things and he told tells us those things and he calls on his people to come up the mountain and meet with him. They didn't, the, the Israelites didn't do it and found themselves in rebellion and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And each church is offered that by God, an opportunity to come and meet with him on his holy hill. And those that do see the presence and the power of God move in mighty ways. They also see the enemy attack and try to uh, discourage and dissuade them. But those that do see the presence of God and they can look back on their lives when they're in glory and see 
that they were a part of a movement of God because God's heart is moved toward a people that move toward him. My soapbox was fairly large this morning. Got up on top of it, stomped around and yelled and screamed. It's good to meet with y'all. I'm excited about what, what God's going to do, but I do know that there are certain things that must take place with God's people to see God move in power. And we have to uh, put aside our own pride. You can't bring your pride to God's altar. And we need to put aside our, our own hangups and practice practice doing the things God has said he wants us to do in worship and help others do those things. And if we do that, there can be great movement of God because God honors a people who hear his word, believe it, and do it. And so I ask, I, I hope that that will be for you too. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.